It's July the 18th, 2012. This is 508 to show about Worcester. Today on the 508 program, Kevin Kassen. Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hi, Kevin. Hello. We're here in the uh, we're here in the um, nice shade here at the Winslow Street Peace Park because it's too hot in the city of Worcester. How are you doing? Good. Good. Nice being in the park. That's right. It is. It's very nice. Um, I wanted to ask you, I guess we're going to talk about two things today, Kevin. How do you feel about that? I uh, feel like that what we should be discussing as a community, panhandling and open meeting law. Panhandling and open meeting law. So I guess sort of half of this show, we're going to have this very idealistic vision, and half of this show, I feel like we're going to have a very cynical vision. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about the city council this week on this show, unfortunately. We've been trying to avoid this lately, but what are you going to do? We can, uh, just to, to mention a story that has been sort of, um, uh, we talked about on last week's show, which is the potential demolition of the Palladium that the uh, owners of the Palladium had asked to be fast-tracked by the Historical Commission to be able to demolish the building because their taxes are going up and uh, it's not worth it for them to run, you know, run, run that venue out of there anymore if their taxes go up. Uh, big, big opposition on the internet to this. Obviously, all of your metal people, all of your juggalo people, all the people who love Worcester in general against this. There, again, is going to be a historical commission hearing on July 26th. And I think at this point, as far as I can tell from the strat the strat from the publicly announced stuff, the strategy is basically to try to get the historical commission to block the fast tracking, which would buy people maybe a year to try to work out some other way to either get the plate and put on some sort of historical registry or at, the very, or at least in some way like work with the people who own the Palladium and people who run the shows out of the Palladium to like do something constructive with the building. Um, I don't yeah, exactly I think, know who these people working yeah. with them would be. I don't exactly know the details of that, but that seems like the vague. Yeah, I think line. I've been hearing pretty much the same thing. Um, I think there's strategy and machinations behind the scene. Um, I think it's an opportunity for Worcester to figure out how to, to solve this. Well, Kevin. Open meeting law. This is the point. This is the point where we're going to be very idealistic about the way that the world should work and the way we hope the world would work. What What is open meeting law? What are we talking about? Open meeting laws, laws across the country, and of course here in Massachusetts, uh, that really re that require public bodies to do everything in transparent ways. Okay. And so, on one level, it includes things like publicly announcing a meeting ahead of time. Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that that's publicly posted in a fashion, whether that's on a bulletin board that's uh, visible 24-7, or whether it's on a website that's available 24-7. So it's the announcement of the uh, meeting that it's happening. It's an announcement of what's going to be discussed at the meeting, so a listing of the expected agenda. Um, and then it's also access laws, so certainly things around just people with disabilities being able to get to the meeting and, and and things like that. So open meeting laws is the, the body of, of laws that say, hey, public bodies are a unique animal and a key part of democracy, and we really need to support them in making sure that they work to include the whole community. Yes, and this is, I think this is probably why this is an idealistic argument that we're making here, which is that like, if things are done in a transparent way, that will lead to good outcomes, or at least honest outcomes, and, and some sort of equitable citizen participation in the process. Now some people would say transparency is basically misguided, that your elected officials at the end of the day are going to do whatever it takes to do things in non-transparent ways. If you say uh, communications mode A, now you have to be transparent with that, they'll just use communications mode B. This may be true I feel like with some elected bodies. The Worcester City Council I feel like 
you could say whatever you want about how bad they are. I feel like they're not just they're not playing at that high of a level to be able to consistently <laughs> do everything secretly. I don't know, but um, there, there's been you guys there's been concerns, especially in the last week around this. Is that right? Yeah. So what happened a few weeks ago was uh, the city council brought up panhandling, right? Uh, and they did it in a way that was not on the public agenda, right? And that raised the the attention of a lot of us that both those of us that have been concerned about panhandling last time around in 2005, mm -hmm. uh, but also those of us that have been watching in terms of the Sunshine Week laws and things that we've all been working on in terms of how transparent how are we being as a, as a city and as a city council. Right. Uh, and so what happened in this instance was the mayor's office um, made a query to all the city councilors on, on Tuesday morning before the city council meeting saying, basically saying, hey, I think we should ask the city manager to look at a, some sort of plan around dealing with the, this uh, panhandlers and, and solicitors on the streets uh, and we should figure out what to do. Do you, do folks all agree? Right. And uh, so that query went out to the whole council and so uh, they then proceeded forward with that at the next meeting but it was all off the public agenda. So uh, if you were at the meeting you, you found out about it but anyone else that would have read the, the meeting notices either posted at City Hall or online ahead of time would not have seen that this issue was uh, percolating again. Now is the, is, the, is the intent that the City Council should be doing that kind of deliberation in at the meeting or is it just that they should be doing it in a public publicly accessible way so i would make a distinction between deliberation and um and just a publicly announcing things so uh, especially on something of a controversial nature which this clearly qualifies given the uproar last time uh, it needs to be announced publicly so things would have proceeded in a very different fashion if worcester community if the worcester community was aware that this issue was being put forward again right. so soon after the last time. And so instead what happened was there was a, a chorus of uh, panhandlers bad at, right. the, at that meeting and there was no uh, opposing voices from the community because we Nobody didn't know, nobody knew. And so it was a one-sided conversation that then proceeded. Uh, and as it play, has played out now, the city managers move forward putting in place a plan uh, well, let's, so let's so let's get let's not talk let's not go down the panhandling okay. road because that's a totally separate the so, issue of panhandling is totally separate so from that, the open so that's meeting half of the, so that's half of the open meeting law complaint around that the second one is this whole process of emailing all the city councils emailing each other and forming an opinion based on that so open meeting law is still an evolving um, body of law I would say it's given digital media mm -hmm. uh, so but at this point what happens is Oftentimes, an item comes up, and one council or somebody emails the whole council body and says, "This is what I'm thinking of doing. Do you support this? Do you not support this?" Uh, and even in the in the even in the the scenario where they all just respond with either a yes or no, there's there's quickly this aggregation of yeses and nos to see where where people stand on this. And all this is how happening outside of the public view. Right. Um, and so open meeting law is still processing as a body of law, I would say, how to deal with digital media and how this happens. Uh, but it, it, it does occur at times at city council where you have five, six, seven councilors already agreed that they're going to do something prior to even coming to uh, deliberation at the city council. And that right. feels that it, it undermines the, the, the opportunity for public in, uh, input in these things. Well, and this is part of the reason I think that, that, that you don't really see deliberation at the city council meeting. You don't see the city councilors speaking very much to each other. Exactly. It's, it's just this grandstanding. Somehow everybody's already made up their mind. Somehow everybody's already, you know, somehow you said there's the sense that the conversation has already happened somewhere else. 
Exactly, and that's this, this really, uh, if we can move back in this direction like other communities are, um, I think we'll force conversations to happen at City Hall, that, inside City Hall publicly that don't now. Because it is, it is more of a grandstanding, it is more of a talking to the camera, it's not talking to the colleague across the table saying, I want you to side with me, I want you to vote with me, I want, I want your vote on this. Now, now Kevin, you're not a lawyer, you're just a, a, a gadfly, a neighborhood activist. But, but is your sense, just as a layperson, is the city council allowed to like meet outside of the meetings? Are they all allowed to get no, together outside no, of the meetings and make decisions? Open meeting law is very clear that deliberation cannot happen outside of public view. Uh, as well as it, it even says the process of deliberation, which is even a little broader but still not fully defined. So whenever everybody's emailing back and forth or going out to dinner or maybe even just making a bunch of phone calls, maybe they're not all doing a conference call, but is that... So I think this is the question. This is the question we, as a city, need to start processing a little bit better. So there's been multiple incidents that have come up over the past few months that have started to ring bells across the city. Right. Uh, certainly, the first one was reports in the newspaper uh, around uh, Police Chief Jim yes. and whether the council should, was behind or not behind the city manager uh, getting uh, rid of the chief. And so the the public conversation focused on geez, the city council has no jurisdiction over this, they shouldn't be talking about. Or actually the real conversation should have been the announcement in the media that the there was a polling of counselors of their opinion on right. it. Right. I want to rewind this back because this could be a little confusing for people who don't follow this. That basically the city manager is in charge of the police chief. The city council is, not, is, is explicitly not in charge of personnel matters, except for like the city manager and the city clerk. Explicitly, they're not, they're not involved, should not be involved in personnel matters. And so there was like one day, this all sort of happened throughout the morning and then like in real time on the radio that afternoon, this whole plan fell apart. It seems like all this, a bunch of city councilors went to the city manager one by one and said, I know that we're not supposed to be talking to you about personnel matters like this, but if theoretically you or a, or a city manager who looked like you with the same social security number as you <laughs> wanted to fire a chief who looked, whose name was Gary Jim, who just happened to have the same social security number, then a city councilor who look like me with my same social security <laughs> number would probably be in favor of this. So like people were, there was frustration both that they were talking to the city manager about an issue they shouldn't be talking to the city manager about that that's improper, but also that somebody had been a ringleader and like, it wasn't just like, hey, where is everybody at on the strong pole, on some kind of straw poll around this. It was like, we're gonna have this whole scheme that we're gonna be doing outside of the normal process. Exactly. And that we're, we're going to be, no, the scheme is improper, as well as the organizing of the scheme is like probably a violation of open meeting law, or at least the spirit of open meeting law, because even if you're not literally right. sitting in a smoke-filled room, you're all sitting in like your own smoke-filled rooms using some sort of smoke-filled Facebook or email or smoke-filled cell phones. Well, then, and then the stupidity is then to announce it publicly. Well, the, and the, so the, the stupidity the, of it is the reason that I feel like we can be hopeful that increased transparency will help our local government because yeah. we don't have the deviousness for good or for right. ill. Right, because this is the exact same thing that happened this past week with the whole, should the mayor be on the Jim Polito show? And so... Or should the city manager be, city on, the manager be on the Jim Polito show? show? And so there was this polling of counselors and there's different opinions on how it occurred and in what format, but again, it was this, this collective decision by the council in, out of the public view of this is what we would like to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and then someone felt it was more than comfortable enough to go talk to Diane Williams and say, hey, look what we did. Right. You know? And so this start be first became an issue for me around back with the pools.
-hmm. And Councilor Eddie actually admitted to me after the vote, like, yeah, yeah, I went, I called all the city councils ahead of time, and I says, we got to deal with this thing. I think we should go with this plan to put the pool over in Crompton Park. And he basically admitted to me that he polled all the councils and lobbied them to vote a certain way. Um, and I didn't have a good handle on open meeting law then, but it's clear now that he was totally in violation of the law by doing it back then. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's part of, the, again, I mean, this is part of the reason, again, that, that the meetings can be very, seem very worthless to people is because all of the messy stuff, uh, you know, the messy stuff, which unfortunately, I guess, potentially can make people look bad or make the meetings be hard. But when you're not having the, this, when you're not having it in a public place, it seems like it's a problem. Because right. you don't really know what's going on. I mean, you, again, and, you know, people are going to find ways around things, but I don't know. It seems like at least it helps to have this open meeting law. Well, I think, and I, I think there are issues, let's say the Invest for Communities resolution that came up or some other resolutions in recent times where there are actually issues that, that we're possibly in favor of, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but if they, the machinations happen behind the scene the, and the vote counting happens ahead of time. And so... So even, yeah, it's going to hurt us that are looking at things from a progressive point of view in terms of what's happening. Uh, but then it becomes the responsibility of the community organization to keep track of those votes ahead of time. And not any one counselor trying to corral two of his or her cohorts here and two or three of her cohorts there to try and get the number of votes to pass something. Right. That, that ha that's okay in a legislative body above us, but not at the city council level. So Kevin, because then you're sitting here belly aching on television about this, as am I. Presumably, if there's actually some serious problem with open meeting law here, this should actually be escalated in some way. Is this being escalated in some way? So both Nicole Apostle and I filed official complaints uh, a little over a week ago. Okay. And uh, those were went on the council agenda today, and they've been referred to the law department right. um, for review. Okay. Uh, the process is actually pretty unclear right now. So the the public body is required to respond. Uh, to the, the complaint within 14 days. And so it's kind of unclear how that's going to happen because they're on vacation for the whole summer. Mm. Uh, the public body can ask for an extension, but the public body didn't ask for an extension from the, the Attorney General's office. Huh. So it's, things aren't happening in the way that the law kind of spells out right now, so I'm kind of lost in terms of what's going to happen. <laughs> right. The law is actually very clear on the process, but it doesn't seem like we're really following the process. Right, you're presumably not going to get an answer in, in a 14 time, days. But you haven't even gotten the you're not going to get an answer. You're going to have to wait that you're right. entitled to. So, uh, so in 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 the event of a breakdown there, I think the attorney general's office, I, I believe, just steps in to kind of move it forward. Okay. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. All right. Um, well, well, I'm glad that. I mean, again, I'm glad that this is escalated beyond the let's sit around and complain stage yeah. because that's an easy stage for this this is one of the strengths for this show is the sit around and complain stage there go. we're but good at it we're great we're great at it um, um uh this actually reminds me that we need to start bird dogging the sunshine week stuff too we had all these no. sunshine week resolutions passed in the spring and it was really great and it's time for us to sort of revisit that on this show and see have has anything actually happened on this well the, the big plus last night was the first night that uh, any citizen can go to city hall and speak for two minutes at the beginning of the meeting so there's a uh, the res issues of resident concern i think is what the item is on the agenda right. and the city clerk polls the folks in the uh gallery at the beginning of the meeting does anybody want to talk you can bring up any issue you want for two minutes so we should, this is a big change in terms of how things have been done in City Hall because, for years. Because previously you could speak, but it was basically because the mayor was giving you special treatment. He would frequently give a lot of people the special treatment to let them speak, but you didn't just have the right to speak. You had exactly. to, 
it was sort of at his discretion. So now everybody can just go up and talk yeah. and address the council. And so, and so suddenly folks could do it in an organized way. So one, two, three, four of us could go and we want to all talk on the same issue. That really could get that issue out into the public realm a little bit better. So That's pretty cool that that happened. So that's something that actually did really for, real, for reals happen. Yeah. Um, okay. We're gonna, our, uh, our audio is going to change there. Um, the other issue, I guess, is panhandling. So we had a panhandling plan put out by the city manager. We've gotten, have you had a few chance, a few days to look at it because the, the manager followed normal procedure and it was like put out as part of the city council agenda a few days before what the plan is. Now the city had an anti-panhandling plan. 2005. 2005, like seven years ago. I can't believe I've been enlisted for long enough to remember the previous anti-panhandling plan. The previous plan said we're going to have a public awareness campaign to tell people not to give to panhandlers. And let me just say that, like, there's a ton of panhandlers who you should not give money to. I feel like giving money to charity is, like, super important. As a Christian, as a human being, I think it's super important to help people who are in need. Whether or not they're, like, a nice person, whether or not they cause their own problem, whatever. Life is too short to worry about that. You should just help people. Um, there's a ton of people out there who are panhandling who are just, like, whatever, using it to supplement their income, whether it's to buy alcohol or drugs or something else. Um, there's also a ton of people, because there's a ton of people in the city who have jobs who also use that income to buy alcohol and drugs. It's not like, I don't know, it's only these guys or that this is the worst thing in the world. But anyway, so like over and above this question of charity, we've got these panhandlers out there in the streets of Worcester. And it seems like there's more panhandlers than there have been in a few years. Back in 2005, we had this anti-panhandling campaign. Part of it was on the plan, the written plan, from the city. Part of it was we're going to have this public information campaign. We're going to have these signs that are going to say panhandling is not the solution. You should give your money to some sort of actual organization rather than like helping someone directly. I totally disagree with the message that you should that that first of all that it's an either or and second of all that an organization is better than helping directly. I think it's an organization is like in practical terms, actually going to deal with the problem, whereas people in general are not going to put in the amount of time and energy to actually deal with the problem. But if you really care about homelessness in Worcester, you should just like spend a lot more of your time working with homelessness in Worcester. Then, for example, you would know if the person who's you would know the people who are panhandling in Worcester, and you would be able to say, "I know this guy's deal. This guy is a jackass, or this guy is cool, or whatever. I know what this guy's deal is." So part of the part of the plan was this public information campaign to say, like, stop giving money to people who ask you for money. I feel like, unfortunately, it's generally like just stop being helpful is the gist of this. The other part of it was there was this whole thing of all the social service agencies are going to collaborate on blah, 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 blah. That part wasn't implemented. The part of putting up billboards saying don't give money to people who ask you for money, don't help strangers who ask, that was done. I don't think there was any impact on the panhandling rate. If there was, it wasn't a big one impact, and it obviously wasn't a long-lasting impact. The city did this for like a year, a year and a half, and then just sort of threw up their hands. And the people we talked to from the city were not like, oh, this was a great triumph. They were like, we're actually kind of embarrassed that yeah, this was done. I, I think the other thing that we also talked about at that time was questions about whether there was an escalation of violence against people that were homeless at that time. There was a lot of weird stuff going on in the city about hostility towards social services, hostility towards group homes, hostility towards homeless people. There was a, the whole, we used to use the word climate a lot. The whole right. climate around this issue was pretty bad in the city at the time. It's gotten better. It got better for a while, and I think it's probably still better than it was seven years ago. So part of the pro- I mean, part of our concern of like, why do you care about these billboards? Is like this climate thing, is a weird thing. There's a lot of moving pieces. It's hard to figure out what's going on. Anyway, so now, so the city has this plan, has this plan out this time, 
And the Telegram Gazette wrote this bizarre editorial of like, this has a plan with real meat on its bones. The city's not going to stand around doing nothing. People can avert their eyes from panhandlers, but cities can't. Well, cities can't because cities literally do not have <laughs> eyes. <laughs> um, so this plan looks a lot like the last plan. It talks a little bit about enforcement, like using police on this, but it basically acknowledges, you know, it's a First Amendment issue. Like standing on the side of the street holding a sign is just like a, a bare minimum First Amendment thing. And we can get into like, oh, a sign asking for money versus a sign for whatever. It's just a, it's just a big First Amendment problem. So the, and the, the police are involved in, according to this article, like some maybe a couple hundred incidents a year where somebody, they're, they're panhandling somehow involved, like the person's doing something else, maybe they're also at panhandling. They just did sort of a keyword search of their incidents and found like 180 incidents uh, last year, which involved, inc- and they had five arrests. So most of these incidents, it just seemed like it was just some drunk guy bothering yeah. people at a store or something, and the police came and said, get out of here, and they got out. Um, that, that, that seems like that's, that's going to be unchanged. This is mentioned in the report, but there's no, there's no there's nothing about in police enforcement that's going to change as part of the plan. Part of the plan is going to be to have another public information campaign. I also feel like this doesn't really count because we know that this, at least in the Worcester context, does not work. Unless there's something completely new and outside the box here, we know that in the Worcester context, this public information campaign doesn't work. Yeah, I think I think last year the public campaign was about as broad and powerful as anything Worcester's done. So it was yeah. billboards across the city. It was... Uh, metal signs on street right. poles and intersections. It was, uh, I think, sent out with tax bills or something there like that. Published. There was, was also, signs at the library. In there the was banks, stuff in the library, papers. In the, in the supermarkets. Like, we really, we had so many anti-panhandling signs around the city. Just right. like, people people visiting here were just like, what's up with the city? Right, well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, oh, like, if you didn't notice the panhandler, you certainly know that the giant sign of a panhandler. Right. So you still have a bad image of Worcester as, like, a city of bums. Right. We have giant billboards of our bums now instead of, like, the actual physical bum, who at least might tell who might be worse or better than a billboard. I don't know. Um, but, and I don't want to argue that, like, I don't want to argue that the cam- that, that publicity campaign doesn't work. I don't want to argue that somehow, oh, we're all too smart for advertising. I just want to say, like, Somehow this didn't work in this case. Like somehow the people who people who give to panhandlers who are really hardcore reacted against it and gave even more to panhandlers maybe. Maybe people who are going to give to panhandlers ignore the signs and hate the signs. Like somehow that campaign did not do an effective job of targeting people who give to panhandlers. I feel like it, it potentially did an effective job targeting people who are already hostile towards anybody who's a bum or mm-hmm. potentially homeless. Again, not that panhandlers are necessarily homeless. There's no, not necessarily a huge amount of overlap there. Um, the third, so the actual third part of this campaign, we got the police, nothing's going to happen there. The signs, something's going to happen. We don't think it's going to work. This is the cynical half of the show, if you didn't tell. The third part is this, like, social services, blah, blah, blah. And actually, this part, it's like social service agencies are going to do this and that and the other thing. I don't know. There's only a couple dozen people who are panhandling in the city of Worcester. I'm not sure that that's a huge deal. The one thing could potentially could be a huge deal is that the city is going to bring on somebody part-time it's not clear if it's going to be like an actual licensed social worker or what their person's going to be, but they're basically going to go out there and like talk with panhandlers and try to bring them into the process and, or bring them into the system. I don't know that bringing them into the system is potentially going to work, but I do know that the only there's like one city that's had like an actual numerical drop in panhandling using a similar thing to what Worcester's doing. I totally forget the name of the city. They had a drop of around 50% of panhandlers in a one-year period. I don't know what the long-term effect was. I don't know if it kept going on. But, and they did a similar thing, but they just did a lot of like the police and outreach workers essentially hassling the panhandlers. And that was like unsurprisingly paying people to hassle panhandlers discourages people from panhandling. Um, 
like hopefully like so if this person is i mean maybe just talking with somebody or having somebody come out and confront them on a regular basis is enough to make people not want to panhandle in worcester i don't know i mean and potentially there's a few people who are panhandling who are like not aware of social services or would be if they could come in this person this outreach worker is also going to actually uh get some hard data and be feeding back sort of anonymized data about panhandling to the city so at least we'll know what's going on i feel like we don't really know what's going on we don't really have any hard data we don't really have any evidence that this is going to work. And it's frustrating to me. Not that everything has to have like a million amounts of evidence. This is the real world. It's human beings. It's extremely complex. It's not just like physics or something where it's like a much simpler system. Um, but like I feel like the city council has this attitude frequently, which is, which is to say, we have this china shop. This china shop is kind of dusty, Kevin. We have this bull. Why don't we just tie a damp rag to this bull's tail and let him take care of it, right? Problem solved, proclamation, resolution from the city council, city manager, you figure out the deal with getting the rag tied to the bull's tail and send him into the china shop. Well, and that's the problem is like, I feel like all of the, all of the inadvertent, all, the, uh, all of the unintended consequences of this potentially could be very bad. The intended consequences, I don't see that they're even gonna happen, that, this, that, the, that the good part of this is gonna happen. It doesn't seem like it's that well thought out or that there's really any evidence for it. Right, and I, I think the other part of that is we, we, we jump at these these small things that for some reason become very irksome or visible. Right. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're unable to really dig in on homelessness and deal with homelessness and uh, youth that are homeless and teens that are homeless, um, but panhandlers that are visible and ugly and too close to Tatnick Square or too close mm. to City Hall or wherever, um, you know, th there's the ones with those, that's what we've got to deal with right now. Right. And so it be, it's... It's this knee-jerk reaction to, to to the stuff we don't like to see. Yeah, and it, it, I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. It just seems ineffective. Every part of the, this I don't like. But we'll see what happens. I mean, this outreach worker could turn out to be awesome. This outreach worker could turn out to have a really brilliant idea of how to deal with this issue. Um, I don't know. I just think it's weird that like the city councilors in particular have a lot of anecdotal, no hard evidence, but a lot of anecdotal evidence about like, well, most of these guys are actually doing fine. They're just feeding their drug habit, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, if they're just out there trying to pick up some extra money, then why then does it follow that like having an outreach worker deal with them is actually going to help? Like you're, you're saying that this is a person who doesn't really need any social services. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give them social service. That doesn't make any sense. And you know, as somebody pointed out, the last, the last, the last pain paneling public information campaign was so ineffective that even the city council doesn't seem to remember it. Exactly. <laughs> so it's also like, why is that going to work? I don't know. Like, I like, I honestly feel like, I don't know. I mean, I honestly feel like, again, like, I'm not saying that somebody should necessarily give money to a panhandler. I just don't want to see a bunch of signs up around the city saying, hey, we're Worcester. We're unfriendly to needy strangers. You know? And I don't want to, like, be, I mean, I don't want to be spending any, I feel like if we're going to be spending money or if we're going to get a bunch of, you know, free ads from the billboard companies and the papers, you know, and some and free graphic design time, maybe. Let's use that for any other issue. Exactly. Any other issue. Don't litter. Volunteer. Give blood. I mean, uh, like, I don't know, vote. Like, it actually reminds me of these voting, like, you should vote campaigns that you see in the city, which are, you know, more, more completely ineffective. <laughs> like, it seems like it's a similar kind of thing that there's not a lot of thought in it. Like, advertising works. Like, whether we like it or not, advertising works. But thoughtless advertising Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's gone through the list, but at one point we had a list of... of the hotlines that have been announced in Worcester over the past 15 years, oh. uh, and so we now ha we're now going to have an anti-panhandling hotline. Yes. So folks can somehow either keep this list memorized with them of the hotlines for potholes, uh, panhandlers, and 
graffiti right. and let's not forget you know the more dangerous crimes out there and yes. stuff like that um well so, well and we should also point out that speaking of just like speaking of deja vu kind of situations that with the city's anti-homelessness plan part of that was supposed to be like we're going to bring in a half-time person to work on that did not didn't happen to my knowledge so like again like this 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 seems much more specific they're like what's going to be somebody coming from smock which is one of the social service agencies in the city somebody from smock we're going to partner with to bring this person in blah 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 i don't know I, I just feel a little skeptical about it, even so, though there's some so specifics. Let's just think literally how this is going to work. There's, there's going to be a call coming in saying there's someone panhandling at Kelly Square. Right. Somebody's have to get in their car, zip down well, to Kelly, be, Kelly Square. they would go down there the next day, probably. Oh, the next day. Okay. I assume that they would go down there the next day, unless this is like a serious hotline type situation. The person's only half time. You know, if you get a, if you get a, if you get a call, and supposedly they're going to be going all hours of the day and night, according to the plan. If they go to, you know, if you get a call at two in the afternoon and they're not on call, like great like wait until you know 2 a.m. or something and see if somebody's still out there when the person comes back on on the clock i don't know we're running out of time kevin thank you so much for being on the thank show thank you thank you i love the city of worcester i love the city of worcester i'm sorry that we did the the cynical part of the show after the idealistic part of the show because the idealism is truly what is in my heart and truly what is in the heart of kevin kassen manliest of men We'll see you all next week. This is the 508 Show. Pieandcoffee at gmail.com is the email address. Thank you for watching.